Good morning, Sanctuary. Good morning. I, I, I promised myself I wouldn't cry, <coughs> and then I messed that up at the first service <coughs> and cried all over the place. Um, I just want to say I'm, I'm grateful, incredibly grateful for all of you, those who I know very well, and even some of you who I haven't got a chance to get to know yet. Um, I, I hope that if you've been here for any measure of time, one thing there can be no doubt about is that I love this church. I love Sanctuary Covenant Church. I, I absolutely love this gathering of people that we call Sanctuary. And I'm honored to have even the opportunity to become the next pastor, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. So show up on the 19th and vote. Um, <coughs> I won't tell you how to vote, but yes, I will at some point. Don't worry. Um, <coughs> we, we are... Uh, a week off of Easter. Last Sunday we had um, an incredible time of worship. Three services, nearly 1,200 people showed up to worship with us last Sunday. Can we just thank God for what we experienced last week? <clears throat> I, I really, um, I come from a, a, a background where you don't talk about numbers a whole lot um, because numbers sometimes can be something for, to, to develop pride over. But I, I do think the numbers matter because each of those represents a person that God loves dearly and who had a chance to be with us last week and to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so I am incredibly grateful for what we saw last Sunday, and I pray that we as a church will continue to grow. I, I've made no secrets about that. I want to see us continue to grow because I believe God is doing something special through us here at Sanctuary, and I pray that I, I'm grateful that I get to be a part of that. Um, we're going to just take a few minutes today. It will be short, I promise. And I don't mean like in preacher promise. Um, I really do want to want to just take a few moments and take a look at this word and then set up this new series that we're kicking off next Sunday. And so if you have Bibles, would you take a look at Matthew chapter 28? Matthew chapter 28, just a few verses after uh, the resurrection scene that we took a look at last week. I just want to talk a little bit about that moment where the disciples and Jesus meet up in Galilee. And so if you would open to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, um, often referred to as the Great Commission. Here's what the Word of God said. says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our message this morning um, is titled, Beyond Here. Beyond Here. Easter Sunday now is uh, behind us, 
And it was an incredible time for us here at the sanctuary, an incredible mountain-high experience. And sometimes our human tendency is that when we have mountain-high experiences, we don't quite know what to do with what comes next. Not only that, often when we experience those high moments, those blessed moments, we're tempted to pitch a tent and stay right there. There's a real temptation after great things happen to say, this is as good as it gets. Let's just stay right here. There's a story in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, back in Matthew 17, where Jesus uh, has just told his disciples in chapter 16 that he would die, uh, be, be put to death, and then raised again. And he takes his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they go with him up to a mountain. And while they're there, Jesus changes in what can only be described as a miraculous way. The word that is often used for it is transfiguration. Jesus is transfigured. He is changed. He takes on some of his glorified attributes. His his body changes in form and he begins to shine. His face begins to shine like the sun. His clothes begin to shine as bright as the light. And while they stood there, The disciples are standing there, mouths wide open, wondering what's going on. Even Moses and Elijah, two saints from the Old Testament who have gone on to be with the Lord, they appear right there on that mountaintop with them. It's a very mysterious story, and you often don't know what to do with this story. And right there in the middle of it, Peter, our brother Peter, who often talks before he thinks, Peter says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. It is good that this is happening. So if you wish, I will pitch a tent, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, and we can stay right here. Forget about the other disciples who are down the mountain somewhere. Forget about all the other things that have to yet be done. Peter said, this feels so good. Let's stay right here. According to Matthew, Jesus doesn't even respond. To Peter's inquiry. And just like Peter on the mountain of transfiguration, you and I have to be careful not to get stuck here. When I talk about here, what I'm really talking about is the places, the, the, the spaces, literal and figurative, where we reside most comfortably. When I talk about here, I'm talking about those experiences that we all have that are so fulfilling and so pleasing to our senses that we want to stay there and we long for those moments. When I talk about here, I'm talking about the knowledge that we possess, that we fully possess confidently, and and we are able to wrap our minds around it so much so that we're okay with it. When I talk about here, I'm talking about people and relationships, people who look like us, who think like us, who talk like us, and so those relationships are easy and normal for us. It's easy for us to get stuck here. Here is often the plush and lovely things of life, but here can also be the uncomfortable and the messy things of life. Sometimes here can be unhealthy. Sometimes here can be a a situation that's not life-giving. But even when those situations happen, sometimes we are still tempted to stay here. Because somewhere along the line, we learn to cling to things that aren't good for us simply because they're familiar to us. The Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church and saying to us today, it's time to move beyond here. If you're here today and you're feeling that push 
or that pull to move beyond whatever here is in your life, I want to let you know that you are in good company. There's nothing to be ashamed of because you're not the first of God's people who needed to be reminded to move. So we look again at Matthew chapter 28, and I want to ask us to look this time through the lens of an encouragement to move beyond here. Let's look at the text again, beginning with verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. On Easter Sunday, followers of Jesus celebrated the reality of the resurrection. On Easter Sunday, we here at Sanctuary remembered afresh and anew how faithful women went to the tomb and became the first messengers of the greatest message that the world has ever known. That message was simple, that Jesus was not dead, that he had risen from the dead, that he was not in the tomb any longer. The angels show those women the place where Jesus had been laid, and they run off to tell the other followers of Jesus to go to Galilee and meet Jesus there. And so these women run away from the tomb. The text says they were afraid yet filled with joy, and they begin to make it known that Jesus is alive, and they tell the disciples and others to go and meet him in Galilee. Now, Jesus uses an an incredible expression, a a meaningful expression, I believe, when he tells the women, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. Why does Jesus use the the expression, my brothers, about the disciples when they they had abandoned him? They had not proven themselves worthy of such love, but yet Jesus says, not just to go and tell that group of scary guys, he says, go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and meet me there. I want to pause this morning parenthetically and say that regardless of who you are, regardless of your past, regardless of how you think you are not worthy of God's love or God's call, God loves you with an everlasting love. God has not disqualified you because of the times you've slipped and messed up. Even for the times you've lived in your sin, God still calls you a friend. The song we sang this morning says, I am a friend of God. Yes, with my mess. Yes, with my doubts. Yes, with my fears. But God has still called me friend. Jesus says, go and tell my brothers, even if they don't deserve it, to come to Galilee and meet me. And so our text this morning helps us to see what happens after the moment that the women deliver this message and the disciples begin to make their way to Galilee. Matthew picks up this story in in a strange way. They're already there at the gathering, and the text says that the 11 remaining disciples are present. And so there are at least 11 people gathered there. Scholars suggest that the word has spread about the resurrection of Jesus and that there are actually many more who are waiting there on that mountainside in Galilee when they arrive. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul mentions the time where the resurrected Jesus appeared to 500 witnesses at one time. 
many have said this is that moment that Matthew writes about, where Jesus goes to Galilee and gathers with a large group of followers post-resurrection. And there in that place, Jesus delivers a significant message, and he sets the direction for the church, the direction that we follow even today. Jesus, in just a few sentences, tells his followers that they've got to move beyond here. That's sort of a strange message in light of what's been going on. Think of what the followers of Jesus had endured. They had followed him. They had trusted in him. They had walked away from their lives and many times their families to follow him. They had watched him be betrayed, arrested, beaten, nailed to a cross. They knew he had died, and they felt like they had been lost forever. Hope for them seemed to be dead. But all of a sudden, word began to spread that Jesus wasn't dead. He was actually alive. And women were saying that Jesus was going to Galilee and wanted his disciples to meet him there. And so imagine all the emotional baggage that the disciples brought with them to that place in Galilee. After all they had been through, after all the pain and suffering and loss, after enduring the fear and panic and questioning, they are finally reunited with a resurrected Jesus. I, I imagine that they are so ecstatic that they begin to apologize. Lord, I'm sorry that I ran away from you. I'm sorry that I was not stronger when you needed me to be strong. I promise Jesus I'll never leave you again no matter what happens. And Jesus said, yes, you will, because I'm sending you away. Rather than holding the disciples there and, and, and babying them and holding them in that place, Jesus said, brothers, I know you're glad to see me, but you've got to move beyond here. I, I know you've missed me. But you've got to move beyond here. I know it's been an emotional roller coaster, but you've got to move beyond here. And the good news for those post-resurrection followers of Jesus and the good news for us today is that God calls us to move beyond here. No matter how much we love here, no matter how much we love the sweetness of the moment, Jesus is calling us to move beyond here. And the blessing is he calls us to move beyond here, but he gives us a few gifts generously as he sends us beyond here. Our text today shows us that the first gift that Jesus gives us as he sends us beyond here sanctuary is that he gives us authority. Can you say authority? Jesus gives us authority even as he's sending us to move beyond here. Now, Jesus had always had power. He'd always had authority. He, throughout his ministry, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He, he gave sight to the blind. He taught with greater authority than anybody they had ever seen. He turns water into wine. He walks on water. But in this moment, after Easter Sunday, Jesus informs those who were with him that day, and he reminds you and I today that he now has even more power. He has all power in heaven and in earth. Jesus says, because I have all power, I'm sending you beyond here, beyond comfort, beyond this reunion, beyond this place that you love so much, but I'm not sending you empty-handed. I'm sending you in my name. I've shared with you on many occasions that I grew up in a very small town in South Carolina. 
small town called Bowman. It was very small. We didn't even have traffic light. We had one caution light in the entire town. That was it. Now, right next to us was a town called St. George. It was a little bigger. They had uh, a McDonald's and a video store, so they were the big city, um, at least in their minds. Um, that's where my, my dad's family was from. And so on the weekend, sometime, I would go and stay with my dad's sister in this town. People didn't know me there. They didn't know who I was. And so sometimes as a goofy teenager, my body and my brain and my foot size didn't always align. And so I just walked around like a goofy kid. It's just, it's just who I was. Some, somebody's saying, you didn't change much, Pastor Edron. Um, but in this town, I would walk around and people didn't know me. And from time to time, somebody would come up and ask me, hey, who are you? Who are you? What are you doing here? And they weren't asking it like in a hospitality team kind of way. They were sizing me up. They were trying to see if, if I had any stuff that they could get from me. They didn't know me, but I had a cousin in that town. His name was Kelvin Daniels. Kelvin was a superstar basketball player, and he had a way about himself. He knew how to handle himself in the streets. He was a little bit greedy. gritty. And, and so w- when they would ask me who I was, I wouldn't even give, me, give them my name. I would say I'm Kevin Daniels' cousin. I learned at an early age that if the situation ever got fishy, you just need to learn how to name drop somebody who is respected. And so I had no name in this town. My name was Kevin Daniels' cousin. And everywhere I went, I made sure everybody knew I was Kevin Daniels' cousin, and it had some advantages to it. Now, I don't want to simplify the text too much, and I don't want to desecrate the Holy Writ, but listen, Jesus is saying, as you go, don't go in your name. You're going into a world that does not know you, does not respect you, and will not will not hesitate to damage you. And so I'm sending you in my name. I'm sending you with authority that comes from me. Brothers and sisters, I know this invitation and this challenge to go beyond here can sound scary and and harmful, and you're wondering, can I do it? But Jesus is saying you can do it because I'm sending you in my name. So if you're wondering, what do I do? What does it mean for us to move beyond here? It first begins with realizing that God has given us authority. And so we go in his name. So we, only, we not only get authority as we're told to move beyond here, we're also given an assignment. An assignment. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, clause A says this, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Why does it matter whether or not you and I move beyond here? You might be thinking, God is great. If I don't do anything more than I'm doing now, won't God's mission still go forward? It matters for us to move beyond here because God's work is beyond here. The good news of the gospel was never meant to be contained in this building, as lovely as this building is. In the life of the disciple, the only thing that matters in the life of the disciple is making other disciples. That's what it means to be a disciple. 
And so our work, brothers and sisters, was always meant to move us beyond this place of where we are, to go out into the world and to share the good news of who Jesus is. And I, I know because I've talked to people, been in ministry for a long time, people will say, Pastor, I, I just don't know what it means to make disciples. Can I tell you today that you're already making disciples? You're already teaching something to people every single day. You're already recreating something in people every single day based on how you live your life. So it's not a matter of, can I make disciples? The question for you is, what are you making disciples of? For me, I have incredible privilege in this next season to lead in this church. But if at the end of my leadership here at Sanctuary, I've only created a bunch of little edrins, I've failed. The work of the disciple is to make other disciples. And disciples of what and of who? Disciples of Jesus. So brothers and sisters, Jesus is just not kicking us out of the nest and say, go and do whatever you want. He's not sending us into the world to say, go and chase your ambition. Your ambition is important, but your ambition never overrides the assignment that God has given all of us. That assignment is to make disciples of Jesus. And so we're given authority. We're told to go in my name. We're given an assignment to go and make disciples of Jesus. Last thing before I take my seat, the reminder is that you are also given an accomplice. You are given an accomplice. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's our authority. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's our assignment. And the final piece of the puzzle is that we are not sent out alone. He promises to always be with us. Always with us. Such an amazing promise that the, the, the Savior of the world, who has overcome death, hell, and the grave, has promised to always be with us, that we would never be alone. And so as you're in corporate America figuring out what it means to live out a life of faith, the promise from Jesus is that I'm always with you. As you're in schools, teaching and counseling, wondering what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus, the promise is I'm always with you. As you're in the church and you run into opposition where people aren't really interested in making disciples, don't give up because the promise is, I'm always with you. And you're wondering, but didn't Jesus leave just a short while after? Jesus did return to heaven. But in his leaving, he gave us a mighty accomplice who is the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, if there's one thing you can't forget as we in this next season wrestle with what it means to move beyond here is that we are not doing this work in our own power and we are not doing it on our own. The Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is in us. And if you proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is in you every day, guiding you, strengthening you giving you wisdom beyond your smarts, giving you resources beyond your bank account, helping you to move in ways that you could not move on your own. We are not alone. Jesus said, I will not leave you without a comforter. The Holy Spirit will come and teach you and guide you, and he is the proof 
of this new life you have in me. So brothers and sisters, I'm excited as I call the worship team back up. I'm excited that for the next several weeks, we're going to jump into a series that we're calling Sent Ones. We're going to look at the life of the early church and wrestle with the question of what did they do after the resurrection? How did they live differently after Jesus had died and been risen from the dead and now has given them the direction to go and make disciples? And our hope very clearly, very, very, very clearly is that sanctuary would be a place of sent ones. Yes, we love when we come here and we gather and we have incredible worship, but our work is not ending when we say amen at the benediction. In fact, our work is just beginning. And so we're going to wrestle for a few weeks of what it means to live as those who are sent. What does it mean on your job? What does it mean for your family? What does it mean in your finances? What does it mean in your relationship with your boo thing? What, what does it mean to live as someone who has been sent by Jesus? My hope, and I did look at the young adults. Yes, I did look at y'all because I know, I know. My hope is that we would hear this encouragement to go beyond here, not as a threat or something to be afraid of, but something to embrace. That God has loved us and now entrusts us with a message to take it out to the world. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. We thank you, God, that you have blessed us with your authority to go in your name, to push back on darkness, to speak into broken situations and bring healing, to represent the kingdom of God in a world that desperately needs to see it. We thank you, God, that we have the authority. And we thank you for the assignment to go and make disciples, to make followers of you wherever we are. God, we thank you that you did not leave us wandering, trying to figure out what to do. You gave us very clear instruction. God, we're grateful that you did not leave us alone. You gave us an accomplice, the power of the Holy Spirit, so that we might do far greater than we ever thought possible. So now, God, be preparing our hearts for this new series we'll kick off next week. Help us, God, to come, not just wanting to hear, but willing to give as we lean into this new season. And God, I bless your name. I bless your holy name, God. And ask, God, that this would be a place of life and light, that this community would see sanctuary as a place of safety and peace and hope and love and grace, a place of healing for folks who've never known you and for folks who've turned away from the church because of hurt, may this be truly a sanctuary for them. God, I thank you for our brother and our sister, Caleb and Lashana, as they begin a new life with you today. As they celebrate their baptism. Lord, would you let it be a moment they will never forget. We love you today, Father. And we honor you with our very lives. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. By his grace. Amen.